Come on, somebody give God a hand of praise. Come on, come on, somebody give God some praise in this place. Come on, somebody in here, you, you went through all the Thanksgiving and all of the dressing and all of the ate yourself into a coma and didn't take one time just to look at the Lord and tell the Lord thank you. Come on, you might have prayed over the food, but you didn't just thank him because all, his, all your life he's been faithful. Come on, all, all your life he's been so, so good. Come, come on, some, if, if you realize you didn't deserve it, Obasha, ah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Good morning, everybody. Man, we thank and praise God for the goodness of God in the land of the living. And we greet you today in the grace, peace, joy, and love of God, our Father, and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Love to the family. Thank God for his love that we can share with one another. Come on, if you know God's been good to you, make a joyful noise to the Lord. The old folks say, if I couldn't say a word, I'd just raise my hand, wave my hand, and just thank God for his goodness. Man, certainly grateful for all of the family and friends who are with us and those of you who are watching via the World Wide Web. I'm Dr. D.Z. Cofield. I serve here at the Senior Pastor of the Good Hope Missionary Baptist Church in Houston, Texas, and I want to thank you today for the privilege of your time. Thank you all for being with us and for allowing us into your space to inform your head, inspire your heart, and encourage your spirit to be all that God wants you to be. You're not watching for any other reason than for us to help you be the biggest and best Christian that you can possibly be, and we thank you for that privilege. Well, God is doing some amazing things through our church, and I don't know if you realize it, we have been averaging over, over this last year, 1,000 people a week that we have been touching with the gospel of Jesus Christ, sharing the love of God. Amen. And it's because of you, your commitment to be the salt and light that God has called us to be that's allowed our church to transform itself in a very real and powerful way. I want to thank the Good Hope Men's Ministry in their partnership with the Network of Brothers uh, ICNA Relief Houston, Sons of Wisdom, and the Brothers of Alpha Phi Alpha Fraternity. Last Tuesday, they served over 300 people at four transitional housing locations and on the streets of Houston. Again, being the salt and light that God has called us to be. They met up here at the church and Man, the brothers did a, a tremendous, tremendous job, and we're certainly grateful and thankful for them allowing God to use them in such a powerful way. Rooted and grounded, make some noise. Man, what a celebration we had on last week. I want to thank the entire discipleship team and our AV ministry and all of you who are part of the Rooted and Grounded family here at our church what a powerful, powerful time, powerful cardboard testimonies. I got to make y'all laugh. We had 10, 10 people who were scheduled to do their testimony, their cardboard testimony at uh, 10 o'clock. And it got so good, folks started going out in their cars and getting their cardboard testimonies. 
and we ended up with more than twice as many people sharing. But how many of you know those testimonies are so powerful, uh, such a blessing to see um, people who are open and transparent and vulnerable as to where they were and what God is doing in their life. And I want to uh, remind you uh, that we are registering next week, beginning our registration for our winter session of Rooted and Grounded that will start in January. We're adding another layer onto it. We have several layers that we'll be adding, um, but our next layer is going to be Purpose Driven Life. Those of you who have not done Rooted, I want to suggest to you strongly that you sign up for Rooted. But those of you who are ready, have done Rooted, don't stop there, please. I want you to jump into Purpose Driven Life. We'll be doing that church-wide beginning in January. We have about 40 uh, to 45 groups. I'm hoping that we'll get up to 50 different groups. And about 30 of those are going to be uh, Purpose Driven Life and about 20 or so will be rooted. And for those of you who have gone through rooted, I, I want you to really pray about being a facilitator. I want you to pray about allowing God to take you to that next level. One of the things that those of us who have been Christians for any length of time know, you can only grow and go so far receiving. It's when you make the commitment from receiving to giving that you really begin to speed up your growth exponentially. You begin to see God do some amazing things in your life. Matter of fact, we've got a video today from one of our longtime facilitators, and I think she can say it better than I can. Let's hear from Sister Paula Fortune. question, why do you facilitate every time there's a campaign at Good Hope for Life Group Ministries? Well, the answer is simple. I just love the ministry. Being a part of Life Group and facilitating is my superpower. It is giving me the opportunity to grow in God's Word, as well as being able to connect with others in the church. Let me share with you three reasons why I decide to facilitate. Starting with number three. Number three is I wanted to meet more people. It was my opportunity to get a chance to have a church family. And being a part of Life Group Ministries gave me the opportunity to have a more intimate relationship with people who I went to church with. And I love that. Number two was discipline. To be honest with you, studying the Word of God by myself wasn't doing what it needed to do for me. So being a part of Life Group gave me accountability, something that I needed in order to stay on track with learning and growing in God's Word. And number one, it's just an honor to serve. Being a facilitator, you and I are given the gift to disciple others, to share God's word, to share his love that he has for all of us. 
God has forgiven me for so much. He's been better to me than I deserve. And being a facilitator is just my way of saying thank you. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your forgiveness. Thank you for your mercy that you showed to me. Remember, God promised and he told us he was going to make us fisher of men. There's a lot of fish out there, so let's go get them. Yeah. Man, what a great testimony. I, I want to encourage those of you who may be hesitating uh, to really see what God sees in you. So many times we say no when God is saying yes. And God sees not just who you are today, but even more importantly, he sees who he wants you to be in your future. And so I want to encourage those of you who may be hesitating. Now listen, even if you think, I don't know how good a job I would do facilitating, don't worry about that. We're gonna train you, we're gonna support you, we're gonna walk alongside you, we're gonna give you everything that you need to continue your growth to becoming all that God wants you to be. Last but not least, on Saturday, this Saturday, uh, the 2nd of December at 6 p.m., we're going to be doing our Precious Memories Remembrance Service. Now, this is a service where we stop and remember those who have gone home to be with the Lord. For somebody here today, there was an empty chair at your table, figuratively speaking, because a family member, a friend was gone and they've gone home to be with the Lord. And it's our service to just stop and remember. Uh, one of the things that I've learned, especially with the death of those you are close to, you may get through it, but in a real sense, you'll never get over it, right? It's still going to affect you. Um, I was in Philadelphia the first week in November, preaching the first anniversary for Pastor Herb Lusk III, and his dad was my pastor. Um, we had known each other over 40 years. So much of who I am is based on his investment in me. He's on my Mount Rushmore of preachers and pastors who have touched and impacted my life. And y'all, I went back to Philadelphia, and I'll be honest with you, I, I've been back to Philadelphia since, but this time, man, it was just different. And uh, I found myself getting emotional and getting choked up and even standing in that pulpit. The first time I stood in that pulpit since he passed away, and it was just different. It was hard. Um, but one of the things that helped me was last year when we did our precious memory service, and I still got the rock. I took the rock and wrote his name on it and, and have it on a table in my house today. And I go by and look at it often along with my mother and uh, my grandfather. I have different people's names on there as I remember those who invested in me and loved me and, and put so much into me. So that's going to be this Saturday at 6 p.m. here at the church. Precious memories, our remembrance service for those who have passed away. Let's go to God in prayer and ask God's blessings on our time today. <clears throat> Father, we thank you and bless you for today. We pray now that everything that we do and say, that it will be pleasing in your sight and bring glory and honor to you. Let the word go forth and let it find fertile ground in our hearts and minds that we would be more than just hearers of your word. Help us to be doers as well. 
It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Do you know anyone who has ever tried to do the right thing, but they were doing it the wrong way? Uh, maybe it was something like putting together a, a product or putting together uh, something that uh, needed to be erected, maybe a bookshelf, bookcase, or whatever the case may be. And, and they had the right idea, they had the right spirit, but they didn't do it the right way. Um, I used to be one of those people that just thought I could just look at it and figure it out. I didn't need to read the directions or anything. Just show me the cover of the box. Don't act, don't come on, don't judge me now. Look at the cover of the box and say, okay, that's how it needs to look. Let me put it together. And the last time that happened to me, last time it happened to me, Victor, um, I, I figured that there was a problem when it looked like the box, but I had three or four screws left over. And, and I remember my son saying, why did they give you those extra screws, Daddy? I was like, oh, that's just in case, you know, you messed up, you lost one or something, right? Something broke, right? Of course, I ended up having to take it all apart and put it back together. And this time, I followed the directions. Here's what's interesting. While many of us will acknowledge that we have done something like that or know somebody who has done something like that in terms of putting together a product, what many of us fail to understand is that we fail to do the right thing the right way when it comes to our praise. When we talk about praising God, most of us imitate what we see somebody else do. And depending on our culture, depending on our church background or our church experience, we tend to replicate and reproduce what we have seen, but we've never really thought about what it means to praise God the right way. In our text today, the 103rd Division of Psalms, the psalmist gives us a model, gives us a picture of what the people of God ought to really do, what they ought to think about, what they should focus on when they are giving thanks to God. And that's what I want to talk about today on this weekend as we celebrate the setting aside of the fourth Thursday in the month for Thanksgiving. I want to talk today from the thought how to thank God the right way. How to thank God the right way. I submit to you, my brothers and sisters, that much of our praise is vain repetition. Much of our praise we are thanking God for things that we should not be necessarily thanking God for, and even more importantly, not thanking him for all the things that we should be thanking God for. If you have your outlines, would you say amen? amen. If you need an outline, raise your hand and the ushers will get one to you. Now, Psalm 103 is part of the four Psalms that close book four of the book of Psalms that emphasizes praise to the Lord for several reasons. Uh, Psalm 106 celebrates praising God for his long-suffering in the midst of his rebellious people. Psalm 105 talks about his wonderful acts on behalf of Israel. Psalm 104 highlights his care for his creation. But when you get to Psalm 103, Psalm 103 focuses on his benefits 
to his people. And basically, what the psalmist does in Psalm 103 is challenge us to recognize those benefits, what the real benefits are in serving the Lord and then being thankful for those benefits. Now, what's interesting is Psalm 103 has no requests in it. It has no laments in it. It has no complaints. It is a psalm that is completely dedicated to thanking God. And my brothers and my sisters, I want to submit to you today that that might be the best place to be. Instead of complaining, instead of asking, instead of petitioning, can we just take some time just to say thank you for what God has already done? Three things I want you to see today that I hope and pray will give you a model of what it means to thank God. Number one, you must make sure you take the time to praise the Lord personally. You must make your praise personal. Verse one, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. The psalmist begins by shouting out, by saying with a loud voice that he is going to own his worship of God. So he uses that personal pronoun of possession, my. He says, bless the Lord, O my soul. I cannot and will not take account for what you do with your soul the level of praise you're going to give to God, but I recognize that my praise is personal. My brothers and my sisters, I'm not talking about anybody in here, but here's what I've learned in many churches. Our praise is sometimes dictated to by who's around us and the environment that we find ourselves in. Instead of recognizing that when it comes to praise, listen carefully, we are not to be a thermometer, we should be a thermostat. In other words, we don't reflect the temperature in the room, we should set the temperature of the room. We should determine by our presence whether or not praise is going to be given to our God. He says, bless the Lord, O my soul. That word uh, bless in the Hebrew is the word barak. In this context, it means to kneel and to give adoration to God. He, he basically is recognizing the superiority of God in his life and his own inferiority. And so he says, I am going to bless the Lord. It's repeated in verse 2 and again at the end of this psalm because this repetition is to let you know that it is important and needs to be emphasized. He says, bless the Lord, O my soul. Uh, this is soul worship. It, it is to come from a depth of who we are. He says, all that is within me, all my nature, my intellect, my emotion, my feeling, my sentiment, my, my brain, my lungs, my heart, my tongue, all that is within me. The Lord says we are to love the Lord our God with all our heart, all our soul, 
all our mind and all our strength. Listen to me carefully. Too many of us offer to God a superficial praise. Watch this. That is orchestrated and coordinated by a facilitator on Sunday morning for 20 minutes. You don't have to say amen. I know I'm right about it. Shame on you and shame on me if the best praise that God gets from you has to be conjoled out of you for 20 minutes on a Sunday morning. He hears no other praise from you. He hears no other thanks from you. Matter of fact, you thank him for your food, but even Jewish families teach us that you not only thank and pray before you eat, but you thank and pray after you eat as well. He says, you and I have to learn how to give God all of our praise. Not just from our lips, but from our hearts and from our lives so that our thanks is not only heartfelt, it is heart birthed. It comes from the essence of who we are. Here's the second thing I want you to see. Number two, you must remember to thank God for his person. You not only praise him personally, you give account because every tub sits on its own bottom. But he says, you've got to learn how to thank God for his person. The text says, bless the Lord, O my soul. And I want you to notice the ESV translation spells Lord, capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D. The authorized version does the same thing. The revised standard version does the same thing because what those English translations are doing is giving you some insight into the Hebrew word that is used to describe who the Lord is at that moment. You see lowercase l-o-r-d, that is one word for Lord. You see capital L, lowercase o-r-d, that's another word for Lord. But when you see capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D, that is the one and only God. That is the tetragrammaton. It is the Y-H-W-H. It appears without its own vowels, and its exact pronunciation is debated. Some pronounce it Yahweh. Some pronounce it Yehovah because it does not have any vowels connected to it. But here's what it does do. It refers to the self-existing God the one who was in the beginning before the beginning began, the one who stepped out of nowhere, stood on nothing, and said, let there be, and there was. He says, that's the God that I am referencing today. See, too many times, without even knowing it, we worship a lowercase g God that was created by our hand instead of recognizing that our praise should go not to the God we created, but the God who created us. This name Yahweh appears only in the Bible, and it refers to he who is above all others. My brothers and my sisters, you got to make this thing, per you got to make sure that you are thanking God for being God. Can I tell you the mistake that we make many times? We thank God for what he gives us instead of thanking God for who he is. And here's where we make a mistake. When he doesn't give us what we want, we don't thank him like we should. 
when you thank him for who he is, listen carefully, who he is doesn't change when your circumstances don't change. We got to learn how to focus on who he is. Here's the third and final thing. Number three, you must remember to thank God for his provisions. If you're going to thank God the right way, you've got to make it personal. You've got to thank him for his person, and you've got to remember to thank God for his provisions. Now, here's what's interesting. Look at verse 2. He says, bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Uh, to forget not. He says, don't, don't not only not remember, but don't neglect. Don't neglect to emphasize all of his benefits. Now, here's what's interesting. When we talk about forgetting, the psalmist challenges us to not forget because he recognizes we, like the children of Israel, have the propensity and the proclivity to forget what God has done. Sometimes we forget what God has done because we're so busy wanting what we want God to do. And so we are spending so much time focusing on what we want that we don't thank God for what he's done. So the psalmist says, forget not all his benefits. Now, when I say benefits, most of us start thinking about stuff and what we get. I'm trying to teach you today how to praise and thank God the right way because I submit to you that when we start asking him and thanking him for the transitory, temporary things in life, we are really not thanking him in the right way. Let me tell you something. We thank God more for the stuff that rust will corrupt, moth will eat, and thieves will steal than we thank him for what he's done in our lives. All right, let me talk to this side, because this side, they're they looking at me real funny. Let me talk to this side. We, 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 we have failed to recognize the true benefits of knowing God. Okay, now y'all, let me talk to the balcony, see if they get it. God has been too good to us for us to sit and act like we act. But I submit to you, it's because we have forgotten. We have neglected to take account of his benefits in our lives. Look at A. Thank God for what he's doing in your present. In other words, God is blessing you right now. Everybody say right now. God is blessing you right now. And you don't even understand how beneficial God has been in your life. Right now, James 1.17 says, every good gift and every perfect gift is from above. But here's what's interesting. When you get to this psalm, he's not talking about stuff. He talks about stuff far more important than material possession. Look at the first thing he says. Let me roll through these real quick. First he says, forgiveness. He said, one of the benefits that God gives is he forgives. And it's amazing that he starts the list with God forgiving 
because the psalmist knows that's what we need more than anything else. You, you praying for stuff when you should be asking for forgiveness. Uh, he, he says that, that God has forgiven you of your iniquities. The, this word is used in Scripture only to speak of God's forgiveness of sinners. And here's what God wants you to understand. He is the subject of forgiveness. You are the object of forgiveness. In other words, he gives and you need. He forgives. Out of his grace, God forgives. But he says not only does God forgive, he said God heals. God heals. I'm, now, y'all missing shouting moments all through here, but, but let me see if I can knock on somebody's door. He, he says God heals. That word for heal is the Hebrew word Rapha. Many of you are familiar with the term Jehovah Rapha, God who heals. Now, here's the mistake that most of us make. We limit healing to physical healing. When the truth of the matter is this physical body is going to break down over time. Here's what God wants you to understand. His healing is not limited to your body. He can heal every situation. You remember when the children of Israel, how they discovered he was Jehovah Rapha, the Bible says they came to the bitter waters of Marah. These bitter waters could not be drank, but they were thirsty. And the Bible says that God told them to take that branch, take that limb, stick it in the water, and out of their obedience, he brought healing to the water and they were able to drink of that water. Here's the basic principle. When you believe that he is Rafa, that he can heal, he can heal your body, but somebody can testify he can heal your mind. Come on, somebody help me in here. He can heal your spirit. Come on, somebody help me in here. He can heal your broken heart. God, God is a healer. See, see when, when you talk about healing, here's what's interesting. That word healing means to mend or to cure or to repair, to restore to normal, to make just like it's new. Somebody in here, you went through your strongholds and you can testify that God is a healer because you may not be as healed as you want to be, but you're on your way to getting where God wants you to be. He is a healer. But watch this. He not only heals, he redeems. He redeems. That's the benefit. It says it right here. He redeems. He delivers. He brings you out of where you were, pays the price, does what's necessary in order to get you back to where you need to be. Redemption. So I'm walking down the street, uh, and I see a coin, Brother Ward, I see a coin on, on the ground. I see a coin, and, and so I said, man, I said, you know, let me, let me pick up this coin. Now, it's not going to change my net worth, right? It's not a whole lot I'm going to be able to do with, with, that, with that nickel, right? But let me pick it up. And I picked it up, and I put it in my pocket, and I said, I felt pretty good. I said, I've redeemed that coin. It was, it, was, it was on the ground. Folk walked over, stepped over. I picked it up. I said, I've redeemed that coin. And the Holy Ghost said, no, you didn't. You just changed its location. It's not redeemed until you put it back in circulation. 
Somebody in here ought to thank God because when God redeems you, he not only finds you where he found you and picks you up, but he'll put you back in circulation and give you value that you thought was gone. I wish I had a witness in here somewhere. He said, here's another benefit for you. His steadfast love and mercy. Steadfast love and mercy. That word hesed is the unfailing, uncompromising, unconditional, unwavering love of God. He says it's a steadfast love. In other words, it's not a love that's going to buckle. It's not a love that's going to bend. It's not a love that you can do anything to get rid of. God loves you at your worst and he loves you at your best. There's nothing you can do to make God love you more. And no matter how trifling you may be, no matter how treacherous you may become, there's nothing you can do to make God love you less. God loves, I'm talking about a benefit, y'all. And then he says, if you get to the place where you mess up, he says, not only does he have a steadfast love, but he's got mercy. Mercy speaks to compassion, speaks to pity, speaks to what you need when you don't even realize you need it. He says, God loves you and has mercy. But he didn't stop there. He said he satisfies you. Now, now watch this. That word satisfy is interesting because it's a word that speaks to being full having plenty, having enough, having more than you need. Uh, some of y'all embraced the spirit of gluttony over the holidays. You, you knew you were going somewhere with some good food, so you wore loose-fitting clothes. You wore your sweatpants. Come on now. You, you already knew you was going to drop that belt a notch. You was going to unbutton that pan, just sit there for me. And some of you ate yourselves into a coma. When you got through eating and you tapped out, no mice. And you know, sometimes the host wants to be funny. You want anything else? And you like this. No, I'm fine. I'm okay. I'm good for now. Until you woke up and then do the whole thing again, right? But guess what? All of us know you get to a place where you are satisfied. Now you move from need to greed. Right? Here's what the Lord says. The psalmist says, God satisfies. But if you are dissatisfied, is not the Lord's fault because the Lord knows how to satisfy. The problem is too many of us live with a spirit of dissatisfaction so we can't even enjoy the satisfaction that the Lord provides for us. We're so busy wanting what we don't have, trying to get what we don't need, that we can't appreciate and be thankful for what God has already blessed us with. I'm not talking about you. I'm talking about the person next to you. We, we've got to learn how to become thankful and recognize that the Lord satisfies. But he doesn't stop there. Let me give you the last one. The Bible says he renews. He renews. 
who satisfies you with good so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. To be new, to be rebuilt, to, to be repaired. Somebody in here can testify. Listen, listen that, that even though you walked around looking good, you look better than you felt and you look better than you were living. But God has the ability to renew you. Uh, that, that's why in Isaiah 40, verse 31, he says, uh, those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Somebody ought to thank God for the benefit of being renewed. Now, here's what's interesting. Did you notice something? The psalmist says nothing about cars, cash, commodities, clothes, or creature comforts. He says nothing about stuff. Because God says when you learn how to thank him the right way, you don't focus on what you have because what you have can be lost. You learn how to thank him first and foremost with who you are and who he's making you to be, not what you have. But watch B. <laughs> Just in case you look back over your life and you wonder, do I really have something to be thankful for? Because I may not have all I want to have. I may not live where I want to live. I may not drive where I want to drive. Somebody may have said happy Thanksgiving. You, you might have said or may have heard somebody say, what's there to be thankful for? Just in case. I told you, hey, thank God for what he's doing in your present, but here's the flip side. B, thank God for what he's not doing in your present. The psalmist says there's some stuff that you need to thank God because he is doing it in your life, but there's some stuff you better learn how to thank God for because he's not doing it. Some of y'all looking at me strange. Look at verse 10. He says, you ought to thank God. Look at verse 10. He does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. Lord, have mercy. Some of y'all real holy folk who want to thank God for what he's doing. God says, wait a minute, flip the coin over. You better learn, if you don't think you have anything to thank God for, thank him for what he's not doing. The psalmist said he has not dealt with us according to our sins. He has not rewarded us according to our iniquities. In other words, here's what he says. When I look back over my life and I recognize what should have happened. Uh, when I think back over my life and think about my thoughts, my words, some of my secret activities that you may not know about, but God knows about them. When I think about what should have happened, if justice had been served, I look back 
I got to thank God for what he didn't let happen. I could have been sicker than I was. My disease could be worse. My incapacities could be greater. I could be dealing with so much more than I'm dealing with. So if I can't thank God for what he is doing, let me thank God for what he's not doing. Have I got a witness in here anywhere? See, God never punishes us as much as we deserve to be punished. But he always deals with us according to his love, his grace, and his mercy. Can you imagine if God dealt with you according to your sins, according to your shortcomings? Can you imagine if God looked at you and said, no more grace, no more mercy, only justice for you. And here's what the psalmist does just to drive this point home. He takes two of the largest ideas of measurement on the earth to try to give you a picture of how great his love is. Verse 11, he says, for as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love toward those of us who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. He says like a father shows compassion to his child, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. And then he says, just in case you think you deserve it, he says, for he knows our frame and he remembers that we are dust. Lord, have mercy. When you forget that you are dust, thank the Lord that he still remembers that you are dust. When you start thinking more highly of yourself than you should, thanks be to God that he still knows you are a mess up just trying to become the best that he can make you into. He knows who you are. He knows we are dust. He knows we're frail, fragile, failing, falling creatures. But thanks be to God, he looks at our faults and chooses to deal with us according to our needs. Somebody needs to thank God for what he has done. But somebody else needs to thank God for what he hasn't done. And so the psalmist says, I will bless the Lord. Oh, my soul. And all that is within me, I will bless his name. Now watch this. The heavens, the Bible says, rejoice at the glory of God. The angels will sing holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts, but nobody has a testimony like you have because you were lost on your way to hell. But is there anybody in here who can testify 
that the Lord saved you and the Lord raised you. You may not be as good as you want to be, but thanks be to God that he's brought you a mighty long way. Now those of you who have been saved all your life, you just keep sitting there. But if I can get one or two witnesses who can testify that the Lord has brought you a mighty long way, he's forgiven you, he's healed you, he's redeemed you, he's loved you, he's shown you mercy, he satisfies you, he renews you, yes, then you have an obligation to give God the praise and thank him the right way. Give him glory, not because of what you have, but because of who he's making you to be. It does not yet appear what I shall be, but when God gets through with me, I shall come forth like pure gold. Father, we bless you and thank you today. Thank you, God. May not have all that I want to have, but thank you, God, that you've blessed us with what we need. Food and shelter, clothing, it may not be designer, may not be limited edition. But God, you have blessed us. And I pray God right now for somebody who has been praising you the wrong way, waiting for a ship to come in when they should be thankful just to sit on the dock of the bay. Somebody waiting for something bigger and better and not recognizing that they ought to be thankful for where they are. Hallelujah. You brought us a long way, Lord. Not because we deserved it, but because of your grace and mercy. You did for us what we didn't deserve and too many times you didn't do what we did deserve and we thank you for all of it we give you glory and honor Lord it's in Jesus name we pray amen amen come on somebody give them some thanks
Everybody who can, everybody who will, stand on your feet if you will. I want to give everyone an opportunity. The word of God always deserves a response. And God gives us an opportunity to change our beliefs and to change our behavior. QR code is on the screen for those of you who are watching in one of 164 countries around the world. And for those of you who are in the sanctuary, those who may be out in the overflow. If you need Jesus Christ in your life, we don't want our tradition of asking you to come forward to stand in the way of you coming to know Jesus. If you're online, you can indicate in the chat right now, I need Jesus in my life. And there are people who are in the chat who will show you privately how to ask the Lord into your life. If you're in the sanctuary, we don't even want you to feel obligated that you have to come. You can use that same QR code. But if you want to come, there are men and women who are here who have been trained, who would love to show you privately how to ask the Lord into your life. And the wonderful thing about God is God will meet you where you are, but he won't leave you there. He'll make something beautiful out of your life. We just need two things from you. God needs your permission and he needs your participation. You got to say yes. So if you're here today and, and you want to make it right with God, and, and I'm just feeling led to say this because there's somebody, I really believe you're here. Thank you, Lord. You know you need to make a change in your life. And, and you've been thinking, you've been praying, talking about the first of the year, you're going to make a change. And, and I just sense the Holy Spirit saying, why wait? Why are you waiting until January to do what you can start doing in November? Like how much sin, how much ungodliness, how much wretchedness are you going to get into between now and January? Like the Lord saying, you already made a decision to change. And God's saying, come on, let's make the change now. Right. That, that's like me saying I'm 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 on 45 and I'm trying to get to Dallas and I see a sign that says Galveston 47 miles. I'm on 45. I'm trying to get to Dallas. That's 45 north for those of you who don't know. And and Galveston is 45 south. And I see a sign that says Galveston 47 miles. Listen, do I have to go all the way to the seawall before I make a U-turn? Or do I get off at the nearest exit and make a U-turn? I'm, I'm on the right road. I'm just going in the wrong direction. I'm, I'm trying to help somebody today. I want you to come right now. Um, I want you to make that decision to come. Matter of fact, let me ask this question. Everybody who knows the Lord, just raise your hand. Just raise your hand if you know the Lord. Now, here's what I need you to do. Because I don't want you to walk alone because it's hard to make that step by yourself. 
So I need somebody to turn to the person to your right and to your left and say, if you need me to walk with you, I'll walk with you. Turn around. If there's nobody next to you, turn around and tell the person behind you, I'll walk with you. And if they say, yes, I want you to walk with them, just start walking with them right now. Come on, you need to to make that U-turn right now. If you're watching, you can do it in the quietness of your home. Heaven rejoices when one comes. Come on and come. I see see you coming. I'll walk with you. I see you coming. I see you coming. Somebody else is coming. Yeah, I see you coming. Come on from upstairs. We're coming. Just grab your belongings. Just come on. Just come on. Come on. You don't have to wait. You can find peace right now. You can find joy right now. Come on. I see you coming from upstairs. Come on. You you can find all that God wants you. You can find the joy that you need right now. Come on and come right now. Bless you. I see you. Bless you. Bless you. Bless you. Yeah. Come on. Come on. Let the Lord use you to bring somebody into the kingdom. Come on, let the Lord use you to, come on, I see you, I see you, I see you, little man, come on, yeah. Come on, somebody else say yesterday. I'm living this moment because of you. pray but there's somebody else that needs to come I, I, I wish I wish the Lord just didn't put this on me because there's somebody right now you, you're standing there and, and you say I'm off the hood and the Holy Spirit said no you're not no you're not I see you sweetheart come on the Holy Spirit said no you're not uh, no, that's not her that's not her it's somebody else. God saying you need to come on. You need to come on. Matter of fact, it sounded like I've been eavesdropping on your prayers. You've been talking to God. And God said, now nah, I'm talking to you. Come on and make that step today. We're going to sing this song again. Come on and come. Come on and come. I'm, I'm feeling the balcony right now. I don't know why. But you need to come on and come. Maybe you think it's too far to walk. But let me just tell you, it's too hard living without God being at the center of your life. It's too hard. It's too hard. It's too hard. Come on. Come on and come. I want to thank you. Come on, stretch out your hands towards those who have come. Father, we bless you and thank you for those who have come today. You know not just what they have come through, but you know the plans you have for them.
plans for good and not evil plans to prosper plans to walk with you and not apart from you and I pray God now in the name of Jesus that you would meet them where they are to help them get to where you want them to be we bless you now God and we give you glory and honor for the decision that they made and may we lock arms with them to help them for this season of their journey to fulfill their potential in you. We love you and we ask these blessings in Jesus' name. Let all of God's people say amen. Come on, give the Lord a hand of praise for those who have come today. Come on, give the Lord a hand of praise for those who have come. Amen. You may be seated. Amen. You may be seated. Christian workers, let's get all of our ladies and men, gentlemen, our boys who have come today. Amen. Amen. Come on, let's thank God for them again. Let's thank God. Let's thank God for them again. Amen.